This podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience at Legend Comics, Omaha, Nebraska. Hello, my name is Ben Temple Smith. I haven't had much sleep, and you are apparently listening to the two-headed, two-headed nerd, two-headed, two-headed turd podcast. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, uh, two-headed nerd podcast. And I have a speech impediment. I apologize. Uh, welcome to episode 63 of THN, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, April 11th, and our coverage of this weekend's C2E2 convention in Chicago. I just got off the damn plane. We don't have time for your tweets this week, so don't bother sending them, because we're just going to ignore them anyway. My name is Matt Baum, and when I'm not boozing it up with nerds and comic professionals on Lakeshore Drive without my co-host... I'm writing about an appraising comicsworkpoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick, artist and co-creator of Good Plus Online, and when I'm not cuddling up to the computer to watch the convention news roll in while wondering how much drunken nerd sex my co-host is having with cosplay boys and girls. I call it making love. I'm the manager of Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. This week, you'll hear reviews of Secret, number one, from Image, and America's Got Powers, also from Image. After that, we'll review ten comics so fast you'll hardly feel a thing in the ludicrous speed round, and then we'll pay a visit to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum to discuss the future of next week's comics. But that's probably all we have time for because of all the damn news this week. But before we get to all the hungover and poorly recollected half-truths, let's take a minute to thank John Cusack and Val Kilmer for a lovely dinner at Schwa, and then we'll talk about this week's big news. What the hell is a Schwa? We were going to go to Moto, but that place is for nerds. The Chicago Comic and Entertainment Expo is wrapping up as we record this, and THN's very own Matt Baumstein was in the thick of the action all weekend. You can see Matt's tweets from the con by heading to twitter.com slash twoheadednerd and twitter.com slash mattbaumstein because the man simply cannot be contained to just one account. It it depends how quickly I'm sharing. (laughs) As always, a slew of publishers and creators were on hand to talk about their work and announce new projects. There were more announcements we have time to talk about, so we're just going to pick the ones we think are super cool and dive into their juiciest bits. Gross! DC Comics announced several new digital first series that will join Smallville Season 11, Batman Arkham Unhinged, which I didn't know was a thing, and the Beyond line. First, an out-of-continuity Batman series featuring work by Damon Lindelof, Steve Niles, B. Clay Moore, Jeff Lemire, Joshua Hale, Fialkov, Nicola Scott, World's Nicest Man, Ben Templesmith. He is the nicest guy in the world. And more. These will be standalone stories set outside the new 52 continuity, so anything can happen. Also announced, Ami Kami Girls... A series based on the line of anime-style collectibles featuring ridiculously busty versions of female DC characters in skimpy clothing. I assume it's going to be very manga-themed as yes. well. Each chapter will be written by Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray, with art by the likes of Amanda Connor, Tony Akins. Which means this could be a lot of fun. It might be. <laughs> uh, Courtney Crumran's Ted Knife. I don't know how to say that name, but we'll be talking about him later. And Sanford Green. Marvel's House of Ideas panel was all about the company's move into digital with their AR content. And Avengers vs. X-Men Infinite, none other than my rugged co-host Matt Baum was called on stage to demo some of Marvel's digital offerings. Matt, 
how dreamy is Joe Casada? He's he's great looking up close, man. You know, he's a little heavy, but he's a great looking guy. And I know he's listening to this too because he already called me out on something else. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was great though. They called me up on stage. They had me read the Nova thing. I made fun of him for making Nova a Cardinals fan because I'm a big Cubs guy. And they said, "Well, that's a Mark Wade jerk. Talk to him about that." <laughs> Who is also a very nice guy, I might add. But uh, you know what? Hey, way to go, comic websites for not covering any of it. I was totally up there. Yeah, I was totally hoping people would see it. Now nobody believes leaves me everybody covered everybody covered the panel not one person mentioned that anyone got brought on stage ridiculous dc's all access panel featured a lot of discussion about earth one series batman earth one writer jeff johns praised gary frank's work on the book and revealed that earth one alfred would be a complete badass and they showed a couple panels it looks amazing alfred straight up torturing dudes jack bauer ripping a guy's arm out of the socket no they didn't show that the second volume of superman earth one by J. Michael Straczynski and Shane Davis was also discussed with fans getting a peek at the book's villain, a completely redesigned parasite, and I don't like it. I think he looks really dumb. It's okay. It's Earth One. It doesn't count. Next, it was Scott Snyder's turn to shine as the writer teased the finale to his rot arc in Swamp Thing with one of the scariest images I've seen of what we are now being told is Abigail. Yeah, man. She a monster. <laughs> she was. And they, they put it up on screen and everybody went, oh. That's <laughs> great. The return of Anne Anton Arcane and the upcoming crossover between Swamp Thing and Jeff Lemire's Animal Man. Finally, Snyder teased the Night of the Owls crossover in the Bat Books, which caused the audience to erupt in thunderous applause. I guess they kind of like that guy. I will say Scott Snyder, bigger round of applause than Jeff Johns got. Ooh. Yeah. Your move, Johns. Mark Wade revealed the name and some specific details of the digital venture he's been hyping. Thrillbent.com will launch May 1st and will feature all new creator-owned digital comics by both established and up-and-coming creators. The site's first offering will be a free weekly series by Wade and his irredeemable partner Peter Kraus called Insufferable. No relation. I, I like to pretend it's Peter Krause from Six Feet Under. <laughs> Uh, Talented guy. Insufferable. Yeah, jack of all trades, really. really. Insufferable is going to be about what happens when a respected crime fighter's kid sidekick grows up to be a complete douchebag. You can't get away from the in titles. That's great. I love it. He's got a theme going. (laughs) It sounds fantastic, though. And it's Mark Wade and it's Peter Krause. And and it's free. Like, why wouldn't you read it? Yeah. I mean, you're going to have to check it out. And guess what? You're going to like it. Yep. It's going to be cool. Yep. Marvel's Amazing Spider-Man panel was next, featuring writers Dan Slott and Rick Remender, and Scarlet Spider artist Ryan Stegman. After some discussion of Slot's current ends of the Earth storyline in Amazing Spider-Man, it was announced that Koi Fam will be taking over the art duties on Scarlet Spider after issue six, while Stegman will take over the art on Jonathan Hickman's Fantastic Four, and he was Good so excited about it that it was adorable. That's awesome. He was like kind of bubbling around. He was like, I, I wasn't allowed to tell anybody. <laughs> it was yeah, great. somebody at the panel asked him like do you know what the story's going to be? And he's like, not really. Yeah. And the best part was he hadn't even read it until yeah. like three days ago. He's like, I sat down and read the whole thing. It is excellent. Are you reading that? And I was like, yes, Ryan Stegman, I am reading it. Uh, Dan Slott teased an upcoming goblin-centric storyline and major status quo change from Mary Jane following Ends of the Earth 
probably not going to be remarried, but whatever. Slot also hinted at the, quote, seismic changes to the Marvel Universe that will occur in Avengers vs. X-Men and how they just so happen to occur around the Amazing Spider-Man number 700. Number 700? That's a lot. Speaking of AVX, Marvel's packed Avengers vs. X-Men panel was light on major announcements, but a few revelations managed to make their way to the crowd. Secret Avengers writer Rick Remender revealed that his tie-in issues will feature the team sent on the suicide mission Captain America mentioned in AVX number one. By the way, Remender, best looking dude on the stage. (laughs) He's a good looking guy. Uh, Redmonder also revealed that despite the new Captain Marvel series featuring Carol Danvers, the original Kree Captain Marvel will be resurrected in the pages of Secret Avengers. Heard this one before. Uh, at least for the duration of the storyline. Uh, Jason Aaron discussed the tie-in issues of Wolverine and the X-Men, which will feature Logan agonizing over which side of the battle to choose, and the long-awaited meeting between father and son as Gladiator faces off against Kid Gladiator I love it. in I issue love 13. It. Uh, head honcho Joe Casada mentioned that the digital Infinite Comics will eventually make it to print, probably included in trades down the line. Editor-in-chief Axel Alonso shied away from spoilers when asked about the Scarlet Witch and Cable, but proclaimed Marvel's capital L love for Cable, who, quote, has a big role to play in the Marvel Universe moving forward. I just hope he's not complete robot face anymore. I, could, I couldn't. No, he's it. totally cured. I know. Avengers oh, no, that's right, that's number right. four. He's feeling much better. Yeah, man. DC's New 52 panel revisited many of the topics discussed in their all-access panel, but with an added focus on the upcoming second-wave titles like World Finest, Dial H, and GI Combat. Gail Simone took the stage to talk about Batgirl's involvement in the Night of Owls story, revealing that Babs will be encountering a new villain named Nightfall, who will be her arch-nemesis. Jeff Johns talked a bit about DC's free comic book day offering, featuring the mysterious Pandora. John said the issue will feature a lot of new characters and said it, quote, sets the stage for everything we're working on for quite a while. He called it vital reading. Uh, Comic shops are getting their copies this Tuesday. That's right. So we'll know what happens. (laughs) So suck it, nerds. (laughs) Next up for DC was their Before Watchmen panel featuring a huge chunk of the Controversial Project's creative team. Brian Azzarello, Lieber Mayho, Straczynski, Amanda Connor, Len Wein, Adam Hughes, legendary artist Joe Kubert, and of course, co-publisher Dan DiDio. While the most notable revelation from the panel was the fact that Adam Hughes did have to draw Dr. Manhattan's wiener, (laughs) DC did announce the existence of The New Frontiersman, an online version of the conspiracy paper featured in the Watchmen universe that'll be published until the release of Before Watchmen in June. Vice President of Sales and convention favorite Bob Wayne called a skeptical fan aside to show him some material from the project, and later in the panel, the fan was called on stage to discuss what he thought, and he said, quote, My skepticism has been put to rest, and the artwork is beautiful. He said, with money spilling out of his (laughs) pant pockets. No, okay, I will also say, and I was skeptical of the whole thing. Now, I also have defended it and said, hey, if it's good, it's good, and we'll read it. But I will say, after hearing these creators talk about it and seeing what they showed us, 
I feel a hell of a lot better about it. I really do. And I'm looking forward to this. And I think they are handling it with a lot of respect. All right. Marvel's Cup of Joe panel, a convention staple, was next, featuring Joe Quesada alongside a slew of Marvel editors, executives, and creators like Dan Slott, Jason Aaron, who is not as scary looking in person as he is in his photographs, Jeff Loeb, (laughs) talent coordinator C.B. Sabolsky, who is the funniest, jolliest, like, stack of jello you'll ever meet. He's he's like a cherub, that guy. (laughs) He really is. He had a comics and food panel, and it was C.B. Sabolsky talking about what he likes to eat. Oh, dude, he's like a serious foodie. You would love that guy. That's all that guy tweets about. That's the only thing he talks about. Editor-in-chief Axel Alonso and Arun Singh, who is ripped. That guy's huge. Marvel's director of communications, publishing, and digital media. That's Arun Singh. (laughs) The announcements flowed freely as the panel revealed a new Hawkeye ongoing series by the Immortal Iron Fist team of Matt Fraction and David Aja. The long-awaited question mark return of of Loeb and Simon Bianchi on Wolverine's upcoming Sabre Tooth Reborn storyline and the relaunch of Brian Michael Bendis and Michael Avon Oming's Powers series as... Powers, FBI, which looks like it will reteam former partners Christian Walker and Dina Pilgrim for the 70th time in a book that's <laughs> only had like 70 issues. So, Casada <laughs> teased a return to Marvel's cosmic line, but deftly skirted the question about Dad Abnett and Andy Lanning's future involvement. Boom Studios scooped him up. Mm-hmm. The panel also featured interesting discussions about creative consistency, a la Millar and Hitch's Ultimates, versus timely publishing, a la Wolverine and the X-Men and Uncanny X-Force, and Jason Aaron's magnificent beard before wrapping with an interesting quote from Arun Singh. After Fan told the panel that he had dropped all Marvel titles following the death of Nightcrawler, Singh said, quote, keep reading. What? I don't know. What? I like the new Nightcrawler. I'm okay with it. I think it's fun, and I like it. Listen, let's I've talk about... I've accepted it. I'm the biggest Nightcrawler dude in the world. I like this. <laughs> let's talk about how excited I am about this Hawkeye book for a second. I cannot wait to read this comic. Neither Matt Fraction nor David Aja were there, I don't think, but everybody else that was talking about it were freaking out about it. <laughs> yeah. Matt Fraction had to cancel. He was supposed to be there. Right. They're making a huge Hawkeye push. I will say Holy that. Holy buckets. Everything that we saw at Marvel, including all the Avengers stuff that was up there for the movie, Jeremy Renner, Forefront. Yeah. Like, right there. And there was this adorable little, like, 12-year-old black girl dressed like Hawkeye walking around, taking it way too seriously. Was she dressed like the old Hawkeye? No, no, no. Like like movie Movie. Hawkeye. That's a shame. It was adorable, though. I loved it. Uh, the, have you seen the covers? I know you just got home, but... Yeah, I have seen Gorgeous. Oh, it's David Aja. Oh, man. Love that guy. I am super excited. I was willing to completely forget the Jeff Loeb Sabretooth storyline and just say, he's back, let's not mention it again. For all the smack that we talk about Jeff Loeb, when that guy set up his booth to start signing lines around the I'm sure he's a delightful person. I do I mean, not want to read about Wolverine being a descendant of a dog person. I don't care about it either. I... Uh, I think it's absolutely stupid. Because, okay, guess what? You're not a mutant anymore. You're a whole other animal. You're something else entirely. You have no place in the X-Men. Go away. (laughs) It just doesn't make any sense, and it's dumb. But fans like it, and they're going to buy it. The dude sells books. And he's also super nice guy. The bottom line is that Jason Aaron does have a magnificent beard. It's huge. But he is much friendlier looking in person than he is in all his photos. (laughs) And finally, Marvel sneaked one more panel in as Matt winged his way home to the ziggurat. Arun Singh, Axel Alonso, editor Sana Animat, 
and writer Sam Humphreys assembled to discuss the current direction of the Ultimate Universe. Ultimate Comics Spider-Man was first up as the panel teased a potential love interest for Miles Morales and... Isn't he like eight? He's 13. He's 13. <laughs> it would creepy. be like puppy love. And the addition, maybe, of some kind of web-slinging ability, a power that has been notably absent in the character up till this point. Also discussed was the upcoming meeting between Miles and the 616 Peter Parker in the pages of uh, Bendis and Sarah Pacelli's Spider-Man. Series editor Animat said, quote, Peter is going to encounter a world where he's dead, and Miles is going to encounter his hero, the reason he became Spider-Man. Is this a ghost? No, they're crossing universes. Weird. Didn't we talk about this last week? Well, yeah, but we didn't know what the hell they were going to do. I thought we actually... We thought they were going to travel time. That's where we ended up. Oh, maybe they actually revealed it after we recorded and we never have That could it. be it. That could be By it. By the way, it's a universe crossover. <laughs> <laughs> Animat also noted that while Peter Parker is Miles' hero, this is not his Peter Parker. And that the meeting will have a huge impact on Miles' life. Brian Wood's upcoming run on Ultimate X-Men was mentioned before Singh announced a storyline called Divided We Fall involving Wood's X-Men and Sam Humphrey's Ultimates. The storyline will feature the return of Ultimate Captain America who will make a decision that will lead to something that has never happened in superhero comics before. Realizing that fans have heard this hype many, 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 many times, Singh added, quote, that is not hyperbole. It has actually never been done before. What does this mean? I don't know. I went prolapse. I went straight to prolapse. His, Pro- his butt's going to fall <laughs> his out. His butthole inverted. <laughs> oh! <laughs> that was a terrible decision. No, I, that, that, that happened in comics. Transmetropolitan. Oh, uh, no, that's right. That's right. Oh, God, I, But that's vertigo, not superhero. It's going to have to be worse than that. Humphreys announced that Billy Tan would be taking over the art on the Ultimates beginning with issue 13. And finally, the panel wrapped with a discussion about death in the Ultimate Universe. According to Axel Alonso, dead is dead in this world. The panelists explained that the beauty of the Ultimate Universe is that they can make permanent changes to beloved characters, such as the deaths of Peter Parker and Wolverine, and 90% of the X-Men, while creating new characters to fill those roles, opening up new avenues for stories. I'm still not in a place where I'm real excited about the Ultimate books anymore. I mean, I will check this out, I guess, but like... Announcing the return of Ultimate Captain America, not a big shock. Unless he's going to return as a bad guy. No, I We've know. never seen Cap mm, as a bad guy. Maybe. The story with Cap is kind of compelling because he's so broken up over the death of Peter that he just quit. Yeah. Well, and I think that's actually very interesting that it hit him so hard that he was like, this child died doing what I couldn't. No, it was well handled. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not saying that. I will say, on a whole, from going to the panels that I went to, I was really interested to see how people reacted. And the, the DC one that I went to, the first one, which was the, the... All Access? Yeah, All Access, which they were covering Earth One stuff. Packed. Absolutely packed. People screaming and yelling like raucous. It was nuts. And then the next Marvel one I went to, also packed. Like, equally nuts. Like, I didn't see anyone winning the con oh you know what i mean like i did not neither company won i wanted to i'm glad you brought that up because that was something i was going to ask you it's easy for us to sit back and and say marvel announced all these books right and dc didn't they won the con they quote unquote won the con but the fundamental difference is that dc doesn't sit on their announcements no like the the second wave of new 52 they announced those the second the 
Right, and I get it. And I think they realize that they can show up at the con and tell you more about it, and people right. will be just as... Or spend that time saying, listen, I know you're worried about Watchmen, but right. look. And fleshing it out. Yeah. I'm saying this is a draw. Neither one of them won. I'm saying well, they both walked away winners. I'm glad to hear, I'm glad to hear that uh, you came away with uh, that. Noticeable absences. No dynamite presence on the floor. Hmm. No image presence on the floor. Interesting. Boom, not on the floor. IDW. These are big publishers. IDW had not a, there. They IDW had a, had a panel though. They were not present on the floor. Best looking booth I saw, Arkea. They knocked it out of the park. Maybe you were just too drunk to notice. No, this man. Place. They were not there. I'm telling you, not there. It was really weird. No gaming either. Our buddy Jared, who went down with me, all he wanted to do was sit in and do some dumb D and D stuff. No gaming. Totally bizarre. But more swords and cosplay and studded gas masks than you could shake a stick at. <laughs> you want to make money at C2E2? Bring the dumbest looking steampunk goggles you can think of and you're a millionaire. You know, it was ridiculous. and wires and careful notes and antiquated notions. That is it for the big news this week. If you would like to discuss these stories or anything we missed, hit us up on our Facebook page where I will be refuting stories of my wife lifting up a stranger's utilikilt at the CBR bar while I was burping in Chris Hardwick's face. <laughs> Maybe. The whole thing is a little fuzzy to tell you the truth. <laughs> Phil Hester did yell at me, though. Blinded me with science! Keep it down! And hit me with technology. Oh, that was a mouthful. But now that we got that out of the way... I feel better. I feel like I just pooped. It is review... Oh, gross. <laughs> it is review time. Again, each week DJ and I hoist a couple of comics on their own petards, and this week is no exception. <laughs> Never mind. Joe, <laughs> what did you choose to review this week? You're their own petards. <laughs> What's up, petards? <laughs> Why you gotta be so petarded? <laughs> I reviewed Secret Number One. Uh, this is from Image Comics, written by Jonathan Hickman, with art by Ryan Bodenheim, dude. No, oh, come on. And colors by <laughs> Michael Garland. Here's your solicit. A man gets shot in London, a law firm gets broken into in Washington, an accountant gives away the password to his computer, and something put to sleep 20 years ago awakens. What is the unsavory relationship all these things share, and how could it bring down two of the largest governments in the history of the world? I have no idea. Yeah, after reading the first one, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Secret number one begins with a masked assailant's brutal attack on a Washington accountant. The masked man uh, calmly explains his intentions and desires, and he isn't a maniac or a thug. He's just a calculating professional, and it's very scary. He's not afraid to rip your teeth out. No, no. <laughs> uh, when the accountant rushes to his lawyer for counsel, he's put into contact with Grant Miller and Steadfast Security Holdings, a company that provides no-questions-asked service to corporate clients with shady dealings. Uh, and meanwhile, a member of the Steadfast team has a fatal encounter with someone looking for something, I don't know, secrets? And the masked assailant from earlier makes himself known. There's so much happening in this book, so many different plots, It uh, it's bananas. Reading the solicit and knowing Hickman, I know that all of these events are somehow connected in ways I won't fully understand until later. I did not care. I didn't care in the slightest. Uh, from the first page, I was completely drawn into this world and these characters. Uh, Grant Miller is super cool. He shows up at this meeting and basically tells a high power law firm that they have really shitty security and yeah. they can't afford not to hire him. And he gets away with it. And they let, they're like, 
Oh well. Yeah, he's like, I have an assessment of your security. I was like, that I've written for you. Here's like, how I was we com- brutally honest. Yeah. They hand it over. The guy opens the note and it says, "It's." Yeah. <laughs> Here's how we completely violated your yeah. trust and we, security we without you in. ever knowing it. We broke in last week. We yeah. know all about you, sexy man forty eight. <laughs> uh, Ryan Bodenheim's art is really wonderful. It's a little towards the cartoony side, but it's just realistic enough that it suits the story. It's not like hyper real like uh, Brian Hitch. It's a little softer and more stylized. And I just, I really enjoy it. Michael Garland does a great job giving the book a monochromatic look that's very similar to most of Hickman's other indie projects. The splashes of color are used to perfect effect. Uh, They contrast certain elements and highlight certain elements within the page. They set the mood. It's just a visually wonderful to look at. Now, in contrast to Manhattan Projects, this book is mostly talking heads. There are a couple of scenes of action. They're very, very brief. And the majority of it is just dudes in suits sitting around sniping at each other. Pretty much. And I loved it. I loved it. Hickman and Bodenheim still managed to make the story so compelling, I was riveted for the whole thing. I think that's the mark of what Jonathan Hickman can do best. Because obviously he's writing books like The Fantastic Four, which are amazing. But it's amazing in the sense you're reading a slam-bang superhero comic with universal repercussions. This is pretty much, like you said, five rich guys sitting in a room. Yeah. Like smack talking each other. Absolutely. And it is gripping. Yeah. Absolutely gripping. Really well written. This, I've said it before, but Hickman writes comics the way that Steven Soderbergh directs films. Ooh. Very dialogue heavy. Very smart. It, it feels kind of. Very well paced. It's not as tongue in cheek, but it does. It did give me kind of like an Ocean's Eleven kind of caper. Uh, abs- well, it reminded me of uh, Contagion, is what it reminded oh, me of. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,. It, I feel about Hickman now the same way I have felt for a long time about Bendis in that if he just focuses on story and character, I would gladly read a comic where he has two characters sitting across from each other talking for 22 pages. I would read that. And this is basically that book, and it's oh, yeah. amazing. I loved it. I'm giving it a strong buy it. Uh, Bonheim, who I've never even heard of before this book, really was impressive. He drew Red Mask for Mars. Okay. Uh, which oh, no, I mean, I, I knew that, but I guess that was really his first work, right? I don't recall him seeing him before that. He has kind of a Philip Bond kind of style. Yeah, I from love him, it. Where you're right, it's a little cartoony, but still edgy enough to make it feel very real world. Right. Love the coloring. This is a fantastic yeah, book. I love it. This is one of those books... Where people might be turned off in the first read because there isn't a whole lot of action going on. But I think if you sit down and you read six of these, you will be absolutely engrossed. You are glued. You have to see what happens. I I, agree. Huge buy it for me on this one. Matt, what about you? This week, I picked up America's Got Powers, regardless of how terrible that title is. Really bad name. But I'll get to that. This was from Image by Brian Hitch and Jonathan Ross, who are both credited with script, story, and art. I don't know what that means. <laughs> it just, it's all right there. Both their names, boom. I think it means that Brian Hitch did the art. <laughs> America's God Powers begins 17 years ago in San Francisco when a giant crystalline rock lands in Golden Gate Park, and every woman in the city that was pregnant at that time instantly gives birth to a healthy child, regardless of how long they had been pregnant. Every one of those kids has powers, except for one, and this story follows him. 
Tommy Watts, the only child born without powers and brother of Bobby Watts, who died after winning the America's Got Powers championship just one year previous. The 17 years in the future. They've all grown up. He's 17 is what he's saying. There was a point in that time where the government lost control of the powered kids, and so they created this training facility and a game-slash-reality show called America's Got Powers, where the kids train to be part of America's premier superbook. And when it was explained to me in that format, when I you open up the story, I don't even know what to say. It's like a little blog from the production company that makes the show addressing how violent things were last year and the death of Bobby Watts. And then there's all these comments written under it, just like any other TV blog. Like they're following American Idol. And all of a sudden, the title made perfect sense. Yep. And I honestly, I thought it was terrible until I saw it in context. This is the story of a really, really gross, like the end, the fall of Rome, basically, of reality TV shows in a world where people have superpowers. Yep. It's The Hunger Games, more or less. Kind of. <laughs> sort of get like The Hunger Games meets The Running Man, I guess, where they've tricked these kids into, even though the kids are the ones that probably have the control because they have powers, they've been tricked into living on camera, into allowing themselves to be experimented and studied just for the promise of being on this world-famous super team. With their, there's other characters named Quarterback, who's like the big badass dude who's a total jackass, and Wispa, who's kind of creepy, and we don't really know what they're doing. Like, there's an ice character, and they all look up to them. They're all winners of the show previously, and the new kids are all like, say, oh, man, I want to be just like him, or I want to be just like that guy. And so they come out into these, basically what looks like a football stadium full of, of these huge robots that they have to fight. And in fighting the robots, they have an objective where, like, they have to throw a ball through a hole. And all they got to do is get past their robot to do it. Like American Gladiators. Just like American Gladiators. But they are all using their special powers, and the whole crowd is watching. And they have promised that this year, things are going to get even more violent. And this is happening at the same time that the government is taking over the America's Got Powers project. They were overseeing it before. And basically letting like an entertainment company like Fox just kind of run everything. Now they are forcibly taking it over. And they're going to start killing kids to see, just to make sure that they can still stop them, it seems. We don't really know. But we do know that when we see this version of America's Got Powers, the latest one, it's way more violent than it was. And there's a huge twist that I'm not going to go into in the end. But I will say, I haven't been real happy with Brian Hitch's art for a while now. Mm. It's really been bothering me. And after seeing him on this book, I have to wonder if Brian Hitch was getting bored. Well, I think the difference is he's not drawing characters we know. That's part of it. He's drawing characters, new characters he created, a lot of people in normal clothes. You I'll know. give you that. But you still, you, I mean, you can't tell me that this wasn't one of the best damn things you've seen from him. It was very good this looking. This was amazing. I agree. The paneling was perfect, very cinematic, really huge feel to it, moved really well. The dialogue was great. The character is very likable. The stakes are very believable. This was a fun book it was it was uh, it, the art reminded me of his work on the authority definitely back, you know definitely the, he was younger then and uh, his art has changed but it i just that's what i look back as like the golden age of brian hitch's art yeah is the authority no like, I, I totally agree ultimates is good but that's when he started 
doing obvious photo reference for like right. every character. And there's photo reference here. There, I'm definitely you can see some of the main characters from the government. Yeah, the are, scientist uh, guy was definitely Doctor Who. Uh, it was David Tennant. Oh yeah, no <laughs> doubt about it. The female political figure that was like telling the scientist Sarah Palin that they were taking away through was obviously yes. Sarah Palin. <laughs> She's know? like one step away from owning slave labor in right. this comic, but. I'm giving this a huge buy it, I, and a lot of people I know were like, "That just sounds stupid." It does that sound stupid, stu- but on that's paper. The- it sounded terrible. It's supposed to. It is supposed yeah. to sound she- like. Imagine if someone had never seen uh, America's American Idol. I want to say America's Kids Got Singing. <laughs> 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 you know, where they trot people out and judges uh, tell you who's the most talented. Like, it's a dumb idea. It's a really dumb idea, and it's being used to control the music industry. Here, it's being used to control the super-powered populace. It's a super clever device that they're doing. Go pick this up. I loved it. It sounds very bad, like the, the whole program, but this, these kids are not necessarily fighting to the death, at least at first. Well, It's, it's just the br- the brother died... I think accidentally. Well, the previous season, they said, was more violent than it had ever been. Right. And Bobby Watts wins. Like, the book opens with him winning the previous season and then dropping dead. Right. And both of the winners, it sounds like, were dead at the end of it. It, And it it caused a lot of controversy, but at the same time, got kick-ass ratings, baby. (laughs) Uh, It's just that the whole, the program was created to study them understand them and control them not necessarily kill them but now the government is stepping in and saying it's too dangerous to continue and uh yeah i i agree it sounded terrible on paper i was not interested brian hitch has not been my guy for a while but i loved it he's i back. thought it was super fun he's back i'm giving it a strong bite as well So that is a double buy it for secret number one and a double buy it for America's Got Powers. America's Kids Got Powers. America's Kids Got Powers. <laughs> As always, we want to know what you nerds thought of these comics. So let us know just how hungover and jet lagged our opinions on these books really are. I read Secret on the Plane this morning with a wicked hangover. <laughs> <laughs> Earlier, I swiped the keys to the whiz wagon from Superman's pal, that asshole Jimmy Olsen. And now it's time for this two-headed news man-boy legion to peel out of the wild area and onto the zoomway where we'll leave the Harrys in our dust. While we're viewing ten comics during the ludicrous speed round. Ludicrous speed! Go! Wolverine, number 304. I love Steve Dillon. I don't love him drawing superhero titles. It just doesn't work for me. I love Jason Aaron, too, but his Wolvie is way too campy. There's Sabretooth having a big villain party here. There's a team of Wolvie's ex-girlfriends that are, like, getting together. Wolverine's daughter and her ninja mom. And it's saying, thanks, ninja mom. You're welcome, ninja daughter. It's it's like a grindhouse movie. It's just too silly, and it tied up way too fast in this one with too many artists. I'm saying leave it. I was going to say skim it. I'm saying leave it. Courtney Crumrin, number one. Oni. Courtney Crumrin's been around for years, and I have never looked at it before. Now, uh, this was really fun. It's a it's a teen. It's a great fit for like teen girls. It's about a little witch and uh, what happens when, in an effort to get a friend, she teaches uh, the new girl magic, and it goes way wrong. Joe Patrick loves teen girls. You hear it her? Yeah, man, I'm giving it a buy. You, it. You heard it here. Secret Service number one. What the hell was that? Uh, okay, seemed a little ridiculous at first. I wasn't kind of following as they were Arab terrorists. That were kidnapping actors from the original Star Wars, Star Trek, Doctor Who, and Battlestar Galactica, which is 
totally ridiculous. But it's blended with the story of this troubled inner city London youth from a broken home with an uncle that works for a British spy agency who's been bailing this kid out of trouble for a long time now. But it really came together in the end. And I'm super curious to see where it goes. I'm giving it a buy it. Like, I was surprised. Like, midway through the book, I went, wait a minute, I like this. (laughs) (laughs) Rich Johnston's Iron Muslim, number one. Who put this out? I think it was Boom. Boom Studios. Boom. I read it so that you don't have to. (laughs) Uh, Rich Johnston is famous for being the kind of... Call him a fat British gossip hound. Nah, I think on. he refers to himself like that. He's a fat British <laughs> gossip hound. This book was not great. Uh, there are moments where it sparkles a little bit, a couple of good ideas here and there, but mostly it's just unfunny. It's not nearly as racist as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> There's a glowing review. But still, I'm, I'm giving it a leave it. I'm not into this kind of weird parody thing. Secret Avengers 25. This is the end of the Descendants storyline. I was wrong about Hardman's art, I, I and I admit it. And I you know what? You. Gabriel Hardman, super nice guy. Talked to him for a while. He is so pumped about his Planet of the Apes-like stuff. Oh, love the guy. Dude is nailing this book. The team is finally gelling, and I think Reminder did this to me on purpose. He's good enough that he made it uncomfortable and made the team seem really weird until the end of the story where they figure it out and they become a team, and now I really like it, and I love the way this one ended with an awesome twist. Buy it. Alabaster Wolves, number one from Dark Horse. Uh, this was written by Caitlin Kiernan, who had did a lot of work for Vertigo back in the day, and art by Steve Lieber. She's a horror novelist now. Right. Right. Uh, Steve Lieber, famous for drawing Whiteout. I love him. I love Steve Lieber. Uh, this was a book uh, about a young girl. She's an albino. She's probably crazy. She talks to birds and also fights and murders werewolves. And uh, hangs out with an angel that has like five faces. Oh, she's, yeah, an and angel backing her up. And a flaming sword. <laughs> it's uh, I don't know. It's like after the apocalypse or something. There's monsters everywhere. Maybe. I don't really know. Everyone talks like they're in Firefly. Sort of. Uh, I still, I kind of liked it. I really liked it. I'm giving it a buy. I'm giving it a buy too. I read this one on the plane as well. Really it, like it. It's really weird though. New Avengers 24. Mike Diodato, the guy that I have been done with and said I'm finished, looked so good here. Oh, and it's because he's you, got a different inker. You coward. It was, uh, I think Will Conrad inked this one. And it looked I like Will so good. Not to mention the fact that all of a sudden you can tell Brian Michael Bendis has wanted to get to this Avengers vs. X-Men story for a while. And he cares about this book again. Because the Jessica Luke Cage like conversation that goes on, excellent. Like sure. almost tear-jerking. Buy this, buy this, buy this. Shade number seven. Hey, it's the shade number seven. Mm. Like what? the previous six. <laughs> Why do we do this? It is an amazing comic book. This is the uh, conclusion of the Shade in Barcelona story. His weird vampire adoptive daughter, uh, whatever. I loved it. I love this book. Javier Polito, great art. Cliffhanger ending, big villain reveal. I'm giving it a buy it. 68, Scars, number one. You know what? This isn't a bad book, and it's not poorly written. The art gets a little rough sometimes, but it is, is this pretty good. Zombies in Vietnam. This is Zombies right? in Vietnam, but they're not just in Vietnam. They're kind of all over the place. I just. I think if 68 has any fault, it's the fact that it exists in a time we're just inundated with zombies, and it doesn't have enough going for it to really stand out. Not a bad book, but I can only give it a skimming. Fantastic Four 605 from Marvel. Uh, This is a standalone issue featuring Reed and his dad Nathaniel going on a time travel adventure where they see what the future is like now that they've rewritten it and saved reality from the Celestials. Uh, and it's really touching. It was it's, so good. It's a, a story about best friends, and Reed basically sees how Ben Grimm's life plays out. And his beard. Now that 
spoiler alert, <laughs> he's got he a beard. <laughs> nigh immortal because of the serum that the kids gave him. It is so good. He's got a weird rock beard. Ron Garney on art. I love Ron Garney. Other people like Matt Baum don't. I don't. I can say I don't like him. But uh, he went through a phase. I'll I'm say that. giving this book a huge buy. It like I can't believe. For one thing, I can't believe he's got more to tell after the last story. I know this issue. Ugh, amazing. Man of God, number one. It's from Pinwheel Press. I met these guys in the artist alley yesterday. Super nice guys. And this was a really fun read. It's the story of a preacher burned to death at his church who's returned to punish the wicked. It reminded me sort of Sam Raimi's Dark Man. Really nice black and white art. I think they said the first issue was shipping in May, and it's got covers by Daniel Brereton, which are worth it alone. Buy this when it comes out. Look these guys up on Facebook and like them. Super nice guys. Good luck to you, gentlemen. That is your ludicrous speed round, and twop! It's a sound that makes when Venom kicks an adaptoid in the face as seen <laughs> in this week's issue of Secret Avengers 25. Really weird choice of onomatopoeia. Twop. Twop. I don't know. My twop <laughs> Oh, man. Sat down too hard. I think I hurt my twop. <laughs> Join us in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we'll sit quietly in the lotus position and bathe in the smoke from a smoldering pile of con-exclusive Deja Thoris naughty covers until our meditations reveal to us the secrets of next week's comics. Joe, what has the smoke from Barsoom's bustiest burning breastuses revealed to you? (laughs) My pick for next week is Batman number eight by Scott Snyder and probably Greg Capullo. I didn't look it up. It is Greg Capullo. Uh, the the Court of Owls thing is just in full swing, and I don't even think this is the beginning of the crossover yet. Nine, but it's got Bruce Wayne in his bathrobe on the roof fighting ta- a horde of talons. I can't wait to read it. Want, I'm so excited. Want some more good news? Judd Winnick is writing the David Finch parts oh, of the crossover. Hooray. Awesome. <laughs> David Finch even admitted he needed help. Oh, that's good news. <laughs> and he's kind of a scary looking guy in person. Anyway. Matt, something something about Brestises. Shadow number one from Dynamite written by Garth Ennis with art by Aaron Campbell. I can't explain to you why I'm drawn to this character and it might be because Jack Donaghy played him in a really <laughs> bad movie years ago. Whatever, I love that I kind of loved Alec Baldwin as the Shadow. I don't know. Guy with a weird nose and the, I, I've got the Kaluta picture in my head like the weird hook nose and the two guns and the scarf Garth Ennis should be great at this there's no excuse why this can't be great I'm looking forward to it probably not a lot of gore boobs in this one it's dynamite dude gore boobs Garth Ennis he was Avatar he writes gore boobs that's Avatar they're the, gore one, boob they're books. the ones to do the gory boob books <laughs> sort of Break it, break it down like this. That is it for the big two-headed nerd comic cast C2E2 show wrap-up. I'd love to tell you more, but this is a clean show, folks. And if DJ doesn't come with me next year, I'll be looking for a new co-host, so be sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, research your role, and while you're there, leave us a star rating or even a short written review. Huge thanks to all our donors, and if you'd like to keep us in plane tickets and tequila shots, you can make your donation in any amount by clicking our donate button at twoheadednerd.com. And hey, if you liked this show, why wouldn't you want to hear us record live from the C2E2 show floor 
next year we want to go record in person we need that cash that's not all we want to do we want to go to motor city we want to go to heroes con we want to go to all of we have a lot of big ideas i want to quit my job and just roll around that's not true we don't expect you to support us in our daily lives but we want to bring this show to more places and do more things and we need your help twitternerd.com click donate while you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed and our email, twoheadednerd at gmail.com, where you can beg for reading suggestions from the comic pushers who will make their return next month. Sorry, fellas. Next week, we'll be reviewing Jim Henson's Tale of Sand as part of our Take a Look. It's in a book segment. So hurry up and grab a copy if you want to read along. And keep your THN mascot art coming for the official THN mascot contest. If that's not enough for you, head over to our Facebook page where you can become a fan of THN and answer the question of the week. This week's query, after seeing the before Watchmen solicitations and hearing the creative teams talk about them, how do you now feel about the project? I feel better. I said it myself. All right. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Matt, who I met while recording an intro for the show. Dude walked up to me and said, you're from the Two-Headed Nerd. I listen to your show, which I just thought was awesome. Matt's a longtime listener, nice guy, and a comic artist himself. He handed me a comic adaptation of a Thunder the Barbarian episode that he did. <laughs> what? Yeah, and he did, he did the whole thing. It was great, and it was complete with bonus barbarians on the back page. It was like, He-Man, word to you, Matt, and we fully expect copies of all of your forthcoming work as well. Until next time, True Believers. This is a two-headed nerd signing I'm off. I'm gonna go take some goddamn aspirin. <laughs> I had a little drink about an hour ago, and it's gotten right to my head. Hey guys, as you may have seen on our Facebook page, our generous employers at Legend Comics are holding a fundraiser for the Nebraska chapter of the Make-A-Wish Foundation uh, starting now until Free Comic Book Day on Saturday, May 5th. We are selling door prize tickets for $5 each with the grand prize being a genuine copy of Amazing Fantasy 15, the first appearance of Spider-Man valued at $5,000. There are also several local prizes for you local listeners. But you uh, international listeners or out-of-state listeners... International Playboy listeners... ...should feel free to donate because anyone is eligible to win. If you go to legendcomicsomaha.com, you can see all of the details and click our donate button there and give to this great cause. Every $5 increment you give gets you one entry into the drawing. So give till it hurts, people!